You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Nate Wilson. I'm Michelle Dash. This is Steve Chen. Happy to be on the Earn and Invest podcast. I was racing madly towards my goal, haphazardly. I figured if I just had enough money, if I was just financially independent, all my problems would be solved. Imagine my deep disappointment when I finally realized that I was actually there, that I had enough money and yet I was no more happy or carefree. I still had problems, just not money problems. The part of my job that I still loved, the part I would do even if not being paid for it, was hospice, taking care of the terminally ill. And it didn't pay very well, which was probably the reason I had avoided it up to this point. But should I have? Maybe I would have never burned out if I had started my career doing the work I love. Maybe financial independence would have come at a much later date, but would it have mattered? Why was I in so much of a rush? When it comes to financial independence, is it better to be the turtle or the hare? Steve Chen is an entrepreneur from San Francisco, California, and is currently focused on creating a new way to help anyone get on the path for financial independence. He is the founder and CEO of New Retirement, a platform for financial planning and creating a virtual financial advisor. Nate Wilson is a strategic account manager for New Retirement. His goal is to build and develop relationships with leaders who recognize the personal and professional impact of empowering individuals in their pursuit of financial independence through digital solutions. And Michelle Dash is the Director of Consumer Products and Services at New Retirement. She received her Bachelor of Arts from the University of Michigan and a Master's in Human-Computer Interaction from DePaul University. Stephen, Nate, Michelle, welcome to Earn and Invest. Steve, let's start with you. This is a difficult question, I have to admit. Where does financial independence fit in your top three life goals? That's a good question. I would say it's probably number three, right? So first would be taking care of my family. Second would be staying healthy in service of my family and like our business and friends and stuff like that. And I think third, you know, would be being on the path for achieving financial independence. Michelle, so I'm going to make it a little harder on you. I'm going to take out family because I'm going to assume that most of us are going to put our family first. What, What do you think, especially with your personal goals, what your top three are and where does financial independence fit into it? Um, for me, financial independence has always been my top goal. It 
to me, it sits over everything else because when you have financial independence, you have a lot of choice both over your time and in the variety of things that you can do. So it's always been one of my guiding goals and it allows me to reach all of my other goals by reaching that financial independence milestone. So I'm interested here, Nate, because Steve and Michelle, now we've got a one and a three. Where do you think you fall? (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. What's that quote? They say like you spend your health trying to gain wealth to one day having to spend all your wealth to regain your health. Right. Hmm. And I guess that comes to my mind when you, when you ask this, because financial independence has always been top priority for me, but now I'm kind of going through this little shift, I guess at 34 years old and thinking there's a lot of other things that I haven't necessarily spent time and effort into as much as I want. And, you know, I've, but I have reached certain levels where I'm, I'm confident now of my financial journey where my priorities and values are kind of shifting. And I realize I need to spend you know, some time and work on the other things that are going to be important in my life. Steve here, I don't think I'm letting anything out of the bag by saying that you and I probably age-wise are maybe slightly older than Nate and Michelle. Do you think it's an age thing? Because I feel very much for you, financial independence, wouldn't call it an afterthought, but it comes after some other things. Whereas Michelle and Nate, I think it's a little bit closer up to the front. Do you think this changes with time? Well, I I think, you know, I came to it much later in my life where like I met uh, Nate and Michelle at a FinCon, you know, a a few years ago. And it's kind of interesting hearing their stories. You know, we were there, I was there to like promote our business and like meet people that were you know, bloggers like you or podcasters, influencers in the personal finance space. And it's kind of interesting to meet individuals that were showing up just to like learn about fire, which was at that point, pretty new word to me and why they were pursuing it. And so, yeah, I think I had a much more traditional career where I was like, Hey, start working. You know, the 401k was like, you know, kind of the things were actually, when I started working, 401k was ascendant, but it was still relatively early and there was a lot less financial literacy. And so just kind of like working and making money and then being an entrepreneur as a focus on those things and, and a lot less on like, hey, I could have complete financial control. But it was kind of interesting to, to meet these folks that Nate Michelle that, you know, were kind of, I don't know, not born into it, but like learned about it much earlier and, you know, much farther along than I was at, at their points in, in their lives when we met. Michelle, Steve just said you were kind of, in a sense, born into it. And I totally feel him on this one because for me, Financial independence was an afterthought. I only got there when I found myself unhappy with my current work life. Tell me about what opened your eyes to financial independence in the first place. I grew up in a family where we talked about money. My grandma was an accountant. Uh, My parents were pretty financially literate. So it was just something that we always talked about. And when I graduated from college, they taught me two rules that I had to follow, which is to always pay off your credit card bill and to invest really aggressively in your 401k. And I started doing both of those things at my first job. I was maxing out my 401k really early. And what it did is it just allowed me to live, you know, $15,000 or now closer to $20,000 under my salary from the start. So it created a really good habit early on in my career. And I just brought that forward. Nate, what came first, career aspirations or financial independence aspirations? Financial aspirations. So mine was quite different. 
in regards to who I was born, you know, I, my, my parents, my family wasn't necessarily very literate. And so I grew up seeing a lot of family and friends struggle. And I was just, and you know, my dad, I, I, I would, I had really good family, really good parents. And what I would learn, say I learned from them is the frugality part, just because, Hey, we have to buy what we need because there isn't a surplus. Right. And I know that my dad did everything that he could just to provide for his family. And, and that included a job that he couldn't stand. And I watched him hmm. just go to a job that he didn't like. And he was just like, please don't end up at a power plant. Like, I want you to go to school. I want you to do, you know what I mean? I want you to have options. And he just always pushed me to do that. And even into like my corporate career, when I started working for big companies, big fortune 100 companies, I still saw this, this, you know, these shackles that people had. And it's like to, to their job, to corporate. And I never wanted to feel like I was under somebody else's control. You know what I mean? I never wanted to feel that I didn't have a choice. So that was a lot of my drive in wanting to gain financial independence is just so I knew that I could, yeah, not have to live like that, not have to live scared. Steve, I'm interested in this point. As I listened to Nate talk and Michelle also, I realized that their financial beliefs colored the way they saw the workplace. The same thing happened to me, but after I was totally ensconced into my life as an internal medicine physician, I'm wondering how financial independence changed the way you looked at work. Like you came to it a little bit later, like I did. Did it change the way you looked at either entrepreneurship or your job in general? I think that one thing that was good with my career was that I had this vision early on that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, you know, and I, and I, and my evolution of doing this, building companies, it's like, I realized it was a nice, happy path of like having more control over your life and kind of deciding how you want to spend your human capital and maybe having some, some nice upside to it. You know, one thing that Nate was saying, you know, resonates and I've heard this, especially in micro, I think it's, it's less true for newer generations, but I was looking it up because I don't remember, but it's like Henry David Thoreau was like, you know, the massive men lead lives with quiet desperation. I, I really think that was true, very true for earlier and older generations, that many people weren't super happy and they made all kinds of sacrifices. And I think that informed their lives. I mean, generally people have been getting higher quality lives over time, but like, you know, like when I grew up, we, we moved to uh, you know, a town in upstate New York because my dad got a job at like a company there. And that's so the whole family moved. And then like our whole lives were shaped by that decision and subsequent decisions that primarily my father made. And that was true, you know, at that point in time. And it's like, I think now for many folks that are better educated, they have much more choice. And we're seeing that now with the remote work and people really relocating in mass that like people are taking control of their lives, right. In a huge way. And they think about their work and where they're going to live very differently than, than earlier generations. But it's, it's back to basically to just wrap it up. I think it's really back to control. Big concepts for people are schedule control. As soon as you realize, hey, can I have schedule control and like where I live? If you get your hands on that, you never want to let it go. Like you'd have to pay people a lot <laughs> to let them give that up. Michelle, let's talk about that Henry David Thoreau quote, quiet desperation. 
as a card carrying member of Gen X, that was like table stakes. I think we, in a sense, prided ourselves on that quiet desperation. Does that resonate with you and your generation? I mean, maybe not quite as much. Yeah, it doesn't really resonate with me quite as much, but I definitely, you know, what resonates is where Steve was saying about how he like had this vision of being an entrepreneur. I always had a vision of not having to work after the age of 40. And so, you know, I think that when you find whatever it is for you, what resonates and kind of drives you to your goal, it can be really simple. And you just kind of use that to anchor yourself across the other decisions. Nate, I'm interested in what Michelle just said, this idea of not having to work after 40. You know, there's been a lot of disagreement in the FIRE community for the RE part, the retire early. And it brings up this idea of, is early retirement really the goal? Is it for you? No, it's not. It's not to not do nothing, right? Like, that's not my goal. And I think that as human beings, like, we all still want to have some value and, and we need that to, to give in certain ways. Like I know personally, I'm wired to work. I always want to be doing something, but the goal is to have the choice in doing what I want to do and being able to add value the way I want to add value and give back to this world the way I want to. Like, that's what drives me. It's not just like, a, I need to get away. I need to get away. I need to get free. I need to travel. And I love traveling. Let me say that. But it's, it's also just to know that there's going to be a time when I am completely doing everything I want to do just because I've put myself in that position to do it. Michelle, let's get back to what you said. I mean, 40, if possible, no more work, you're done. Or could you see yourself taking on some type of work, but maybe something you enjoyed more? Yeah. Well, what I'll say is that as I got closer to the goal, it wasn't about not working. It's more about doing work that you really love. So a couple of years ago, I quit my job as a you know technology consultant where I worked a million hours. I traveled a lot on a weekly basis and I joined new retirement. And for me, that was really this job that gave me more flexibility and was able to really work on something that I'm passionate about, which is financial education. So it, it's really not about not working because just like Nate, I'm wired to work, but it's really having that choice that you don't necessarily have to, or you can do something else or find other things. That is really the key. Steve, how important is time frame? Because again, when I discovered financial independence, or at least started thinking about leaving work, there was the urgency of now. I was like, how am I going to do this? What side hustles do I have to do? How am I going to make extra money? Because I need to figure this out as soon as possible. Do you feel any of that urgency? And when you discovered financial independence, did you set up a time frame like I want to have my net worth here by X age or by this many months or years? I think that time is the biggest and misunderstood concept around financial independence, or it's the biggest lever and, and people don't appreciate it enough. And like it's actually talking with like the choose a fi community and, and the folks that lead that. And I think really the, the really interesting idea that that they put out was like, you know, you can get there, you can get really far down the path to FI in 15 years. But that's how you, you have to kind of think in that kind of time frame. And so which is if you start saving ideally 20, 30% or more of your income predictably and just ham- just 
putting it into the market in a low fee way, capturing you know the most efficient ways, you know returns you can, that you will be very far down the path in 15 years. So in 15 years, when you're young, sounds like forever. That's the thing. <laughs> when you're older, you're like, yeah. If I started at 20, you know, and really started doing this, it's like the lessons Michelle had, right? Like, don't have credit card debt. Save save aggressively. If you can do that from 20 to 35, at 35 you'll be so thankful for your 20-year-old decision that you made that. But it's really hard. And, and really, the average 20-year-old has no idea. The only way they're going to learn this is family that has lived it, right? Or a community of people that are doing it. And that's where I think these communities are really powerful. They're seeing other people. They can hear the stories of folks that are ahead of them. They're like, okay, I made decisions. And it becomes very real to them. What we see in our community is just that people, you know, the average person you know, kind of hits 50 plus, And then they're like, holy smokes, you know, I may not be able to keep working forever. This may become very real in my life soon that I need to have income for what is in a good and bad way, like an increasingly long, you know, time frame. right? There, there's definitely with, you know, medical advances, we might be living till, you know, 90, 100. And like, you know, so you need to really think longer term. So I, I mean, I would just say, I think that that's like, that's like a huge lesson. And I wish more people would would understand that and that it for many people it would become much more defaulted that they could kind of like save significantly more amounts of money. And so then have that like cushion. Cause once you have a certain amount of money, the FU concept was, that was, that was the lesson I did learn early on, like have some FU money so that you can do whatever you want. I, that resonated with me when I was very young and I was like, okay, that sounds great. And having that let me personally make different choices. Like I bailed out of a consulting job you know, in my mid twenties to start my first company, we subsequently sunk like every penny we had into it. And, you know, it was like, but it was a decision that led us like down a certain path. And if we didn't have the money at all, then we'd be like, okay, well, I got to keep doing this thing forever. And, you know, then you look back and then suddenly, you know, too much time goes by. You're kind of like, I made the decision and I'm kind of trapped in, in this situation. Nate and Michelle, I want to get your take on this. Let's start with Nate. If I had a crystal ball and I could say, Nate, you got to keep going for 15 more years, but then you'll be financially independent. Tell me how that'd feel looking forward to that 15 years. It's been interesting because I've made a, (laughs) well, well, here's, here's the beautiful thing right now that I'm, I'm feeling very fortunate of in my life is this whole year I've made a big pivot and I actually feel like I am heading towards my North star already. And for quite some time, I always knew that I wanted to be able to teach and help people with their finances in some way, shape, or form, right? And I've asked myself probably like 10 years ago, like if I already had a billion dollars and I didn't have to work for money, like what would I do? And it was like teach financial education. And when I said that to myself in my 20s, I'm like, first of all, who the hell are you, right? Like, <laughs> and then, uh, but, but that stuck with me and that's been consistent in my life. And, and how that plays out, I don't know, but I'm just kind of going with the flow right now. And, and, and between coming on board of new retirement and believing in what, you know, Steve has created and what we're trying to do to help other people achieve financial independence for, you know, things that Steve's allowed me to even step in on outside of new retirement. I'm, I'm just finally feeling like I'm in that direction. So I encourage people and listeners to not always wait until, okay, after 15 years, like keep an open mind to say, what kind of things can I change now to start getting prepared for 
what you were anticipating doing in 15 years, if that was the case, if that makes sense, you know? So I'm just, I'm in a very fortunate position that all my efforts right now, I feel like are feeding towards ultimately what I would have done or my why of why I wanted to get free anyway. So Michelle, let me make this a little more complicated. Let's say you like Nate found your North star. Would you be willing to work? I don't know, 40 hours a week for the next 15 years to get at financial independence, working it, doing something that had deep meaning and purpose for you? Or would you rather work five years, maybe something you don't like, grinding it out, maybe working 50 or 60 hours a week, but then you'd be financially independent within five years? What sounds more appealing to you? Definitely the longer path that's more enjoyable because you know you can't get time back and that balance of working and other aspects of your life is really important. You know, one thing that for me in my journey, I was thinking about, you know, transitioning to teaching finance or talking about retirement for quite a long time before I actually made the move. And as I went to different seminars and heard people talk about retirement, they often said, you know, people who are ready to retire, it's like one more year, two more years, three more years until they actually pull the trigger and retire. And that's exactly what I found myself doing from transitioning from my old career in technology consulting to, you know, technology fintech. But it took me probably three or four or five years to actually make the move before I really thought about doing it. And so I love what Nate was saying about just starting because it's really possible to do both and have that balance. And sometimes it's just about, you know, taking the first step. So reconcile this a little bit with, with some of the other things we talked about, because I'm getting the feeling that really over the last few years, things have changed for you. Because in a sense, we talked about how financial independence was one of your top three, if not the top. We also talked about this idea that, oh, I'd love to be, you know, able to stop working at 40. And yet when we just kind of flipped it around a little bit, you said, yeah, I think I would rather take the long path and, and kind of do what I like. Do you feel like this has been an evolution? For me, I feel like I took the long path because I started at 21 and just did a little bit at a time. I really didn't change my lifestyle. I just followed those principles and automated my investments and, you know, did it for several years. I just turned 40 and I'm still working. So, and I have no plans to stop working. So I don't think it's not to me, I reached financial independence many years ago. So it's never been about, you know, stopping. It's about the feeling that you can stop at any time, or I can have the power to change my life in any direction. And over time, you just kind of weave more things that, you know, are meaningful and purposeful towards you. And so just like where Nate is, I, you know, thought about it and made some changes, but it took me a longer time to pull the trigger than it did for Nate. Steve, I'm interested in this idea of slowing down. When you were in your 20s, you probably didn't think much or know much about financial independence. And you were saying at that time, you kind of left a consulting career to jump into your own business, a business which you eventually had to sink money into. Knowing what you know today about financial independence, do you think you would have done the same thing back then? I mean, yes, I would have done the same thing for sure. I think I would have made some wildly different choices about like real estate and investing and and stuff like that. I mean, I think, you know, personally, like what happened, I was actually, I am an early adopter of financial innovation. So like, you know, with a 401k, I saw it. And in my first job, I 
participated in it. I, what I didn't do is understand it well enough. And also kind of because of that, I think gave up on it. Like I kind of was in a, I was in a 401k with fidelity. There was some education, you know, I just took the defaults, which were probably super low risk. And I remember looking at me like, okay, good. I'm saving here. And then looking at me like, wow, this hasn't changed. <laughs> That's because I didn't think about the investment mix. Probably, you know, I wasn't looking at fees and it, it, it also led to like, why am I bothering to do this? And so I think that affected my thinking later. I was like, you know, screw this. This is taking freaking forever. Right. Versus I'm sure, you know, Michelle was probably like, Hey, I understand this better. And probably got into lower fee funds, probably got into more aggressive funds, stuck with it and like was able to see, oh, wow, this thing has ballooned up to be like a material amount of money. So a lot of this is, you know, back to making good choices early on and sticking with it and kind of understanding the context of, of what you're doing. So anyway, I would make, I think, largely the same choices I've made in my life, but I would, I'm sure like, <laughs> you know, benefit hindsight, I would have done much better. But, you know, the main thing I think that, and you know, another lesson I've taken from talking to people in FI is like, the main thing is like having a high savings rate. And that is something I've had in my whole life. And so no matter what, like I've saved a truckload of money and that's been good, right? Like, and that has given me a lot of flexibility and just knowing that I'm living basically below, you know, our income levels. And that's, that's a consistent. I don't really see that changing because I like piling up money. So I have choices to either invest it into myself or other companies or, or, or whatnot. Nate, I'm interested in this idea of kind of what you would have done differently. Steve just talked about this idea of realizing how important savings was and maybe setting yourself up a little bit better with investments, et cetera. When you look back at your trajectory, is there anything even today you're like, oh, I should have done that differently. It would have really served me today. Yes, for sure. So one of them specifically, because I'm a big proponent of this, is house hacking. And for those who don't know, house hacking is when you, you know, it can look at different ways for different people. If you buy a single family home and you rent out different rooms, if you do what I've done and buy like a multi-unit, you can go up to four units, live in one, rent out the other. And essentially, when you look at people's expenses, their housing is one of the most expensive things on their, on their monthly expenses. So if you can reduce that significantly or get rid of it altogether, it's a huge power move for your finances. It frees you up to do a lot of different things. Because if you have that money now, if you do have other debt, you can pay down that debt, you can invest it, you can do whatever. So that's one thing I just wasn't educated enough on. When I, I came from Toledo, Ohio, I moved to Chicago. There was a lot of like, whoa, wait a second. This is really expensive compared to where I, where I came from, right? And there was also these misconceptions about saving 20% so you didn't have to pay PMI. And, and it wasn't until later that I realized all of the opportunities that you can leverage out there for like owner-occupied financing. And in fact, you know, real estate has been another portion of what I've kind of incorporated into my overall portfolio. And I was, I ended up buying rentals before I even bought my own personal home. But I was like saving up all this money to make this purchase, to make this house hack happen that I had planned for years, when in reality, I could have done it a lot sooner. And if I would have done it a lot sooner, it, that would have just increased my, yeah, it would have increased everything really, really quickly. But again, can't say that I, I necessarily, that's one thing I would have changed essentially. There was just a lot of education. I had a lot of cash and it wasn't being put to use. 
We are talking to Steve Chen, Nate Wilson, and Michelle Dash, who all work for New Retirement. And we are talking about the speed on our path to financial independence. We are going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doc G. We are two weeks away from my book, Taking Stock, launching on Amazon August 2nd. We now have both a paperback version, a Kindle version, and Audible's version is coming out. It is now available for pre-order. Check it out. You can go to earnandinvest.com slash preorders. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash preorders. And you can see both the Kindle version, the paperback version, and the Audible version. I hope you'll check it out. This really is a culmination of all we talk about here on the Earn and Invest podcast, as well as all the personal finance blogging and public speaking I've been doing for years It's about what my hospice patients at the end of life have helped teach me about money and how we can live a regret-free life. I really hope you check it out and enjoy it. Now back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking to Stephen Chen, who is an entrepreneur from San Francisco, California, and is currently focused on creating a new way to help anyone get on a path for financial independence. Nate Wilson is a strategic account manager for New Retirement, and Michelle Dash is the director of consumer products and services also for New Retirement. And we're talking about the speed at which we get or take the journey to financial independence. Michelle, I have this exercise that I think is kind of important called the reverse lottery test. And it basically asks you, what would you do and how would you spend your time today if you just found out you won the mega billions lottery? So let me pose that question to you. If you won the lottery today, how would your life become different? It's a great question. I really feel like my life wouldn't be that different. I may take a few more vacations and take a little bit more time off. But in general, I've really spent the last you know many years building a life that I'm happy to be in all the time. So I, I, I really, I feel great about the fact that I can say that it, it wouldn't look that different. I'm very simple. I like simple things and, you know, I'm able to just, you know, enjoy the life that I have right now. Nate, do you equate winning the lottery with financial independence? I mean, is that what it feels like to you? I mean, I would definitely be having some 
different conversations with Stephen Chen, maybe. <laughs> Based on some of the things he said about time and flexibility and where I'm currently, uh, or, you know, you know, this whole independence and I feel, no, it's been great. But, but I do, you know, just in regards to going back to what I had said even earlier about what, what was the reason, what would be my why after I reach or why I always wanted to chase financial independence, right? And I don't know that I would do much different. It would just empower me to be able to do the things that I, other things I want to do, like community development and, and things I want to invest in and, and how I want to help people. So, but as far as like my own personal, yeah, I've already, I have my values and, and not, not too much would change at this point. Steve, let's imagine that tomorrow you get a phone call from private equity and they say, we're going to give you mega billions to buy out new retirement. The only thing is you cannot work here anymore and you can't work in this field. What do you think your long-term goals would be then? What do you think you would do with yourself? I I think that I would probably take a break. You know, I've always wanted to take a sabbatical and uh, never done that. So I would take some time and kind of reassess things, but I'm very confident that I'd be back building something else or something in the same space because I do care about the space a lot. And and like Nate and Michelle, like I have constructed a life that I like a lot and, you know, where I want to live and like how I live my life and and a high degree of schedule control that, that is good. And also I've talked to lots of entrepreneurs and many or many of whom have exited. And, you know, what happens is they, they're like, great. There's a brief moment of like, awesome. We made kind of achieved the goal, summited Everest, right. Made a bunch of money. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, like literally that is a very short lived thing. I think people are very focused on these goals, but there's hedonic adaption. It doesn't really matter. Like if your life is like, so much better suddenly, or you suddenly have a lot more money, you know, very quickly you're like, yeah, that's, you know, it's not that much better. It's like you buy a new Porsche or something. You're like, great. You like it for a couple of weeks. And then it's like driving any other car to you. So I understand this. And I think that, you know, what gives meaning for people is, you know, the, the why and the purpose and like, what, what's the larger calling that you're pursuing. And for each person, you know, that's an individual choice. It's also fun to do it with people you, you like and admire. And so we're trying to do that here. Steve, I'm going to ask this question, even though you've kind of already answered it, but I want to ask it anyway. Do you think you'd be any happier? Well, I do think like having a huge pile of money where, you know, you're hedging out all the, a lot of your financial risk would be a big stress reducer, but I don't think it would make me long-term happier. I mean, it would make me happier from a, like, Hey, I don't have that anxiety or concern anymore. And I can make, I could solve financial problems for other people, like in my family or whatever that I cared about. But, you know, other than that, I don't think it's like some giant unlock. My favorite answer to that question, my friend, physician on fire, when I asked this question, he said, I take a lot more first class flights. (laughs) He said, besides that, my life wouldn't be much different. Michelle, let's talk about life as it is today. You're already financially independent. Do you spend much time thinking about enough? Like, has the meaning of enough enough changed for you or do you worry about it? Yeah, I spend a lot of time, you know, on my pursuit to financial independence, thinking about enough, like what, when I reach the number, 
is that when I should quit or should I keep going for longer? And I recently had a baby, so I started much later in life. And now I'm wondering the same thing because the, you know, what was good for financial independent for, you know, an adult might be different for a family. So now I'm going through this process where I'm saying, okay, what is enough now for, you know, my family and for the lifestyle that I want to live and be able to raise her. So kind of grappling with that question again, and there's not really a good answer, you know, and what I found is that it's just, it changes. And so whatever number I have today is going to be different in a couple of years because my goals and my lifestyle have changed so much over the last several years that I'm much more flexible in my goals than I was many years ago. Nate, you ever think about that? That maybe enough won't be what you thought it was when you figured out that financial independence number? <laughs> well, just so, to backtrack to a couple of things kind of come to my mind. And I remember reading before when you, when you linked it to happiness, right? Now there was that article or that study that was done that was like past $75,000, there was no increase in happiness. Now that was pretty dated. And in this economy with this inflation, I know that that is definitely <laughs> different, but it just, that was something that always resonated with me when I had saw that study a long time ago. And, and I encourage a lot of people and I always am constantly reevaluating my enough. And to Michelle's point, I think it's going to morph I'm just fending for myself here as a single bachelor, right? So I don't know what it's like to have a girlfriend and I don't know what her lifestyle is going to be. And then kids and family and all that, everything's going to change. But I, I, I feel like I have a, a decent relationship as far as knowing that I have enough. And that's brought a lot of comfort into this whole journey. So before when I was younger and I was, we talk about the speed and wanting to kind of get there, get there, get there. Like I've just evaluated what's that I, that I realize I have enough now in this t- moment and to try to be more present in my uh, today. <laughs> right. So I hope that answered your question. Steve, there's stories out there of financial independence induced marital discord, right? One person gets maybe a little quote unquote crazy about this idea of financial independence and causes all sorts of havoc in the relationship with a partner, maybe who isn't quite there. Has financial independence caused any friction in your life? Has this amazing discovery, something we all believe in, has it caused any problems? Not really, not for me. I mean, I think that like, you know, the foundation of any marriage is like, it is shared values and a kind of like a shared vision of the future. So I would say that I generally have that you know, with, with my wife and, and our family. And, and, you know, we look, we do, we all make trade-offs and compromises that everyone makes to kind of make things go smoothly. But no, I think in general, as long as you keep the big picture in mind and kind of the general trajectory that you're pursuing kind of aligned, it, it can work. I would say if someone, if where things don't work is if someone has a very, you know, strong view about a certain thing and someone else completely disagrees. But, you know, I think in general, you know, hopefully you can, you can navigate it. And that's part of any good marriage, right? It's hard. Like you got to work at it. Things evolve. Like if you're married for a long period of time, then, you know, your life is changing dramatically. I mean, and just as an aside, like watching Michelle, like with her baby, like she was financially independent. I mean, she still is, but you know, like just listening to her, like, okay. She was saying, well, now suddenly I have like the 529s. I got everything else. I've already figured out, created an entire financial plan for my, you know, (laughs) family and like how it's going to go. It's kind of, I think what's interesting is, 
people that have the literacy and awareness realize that they can make not necessarily life-changing changes, but small changes, but, and then capture the value of time to kind of maintain their, maintain their trajectory. And then also like with Nate, like watching him, he's like, you know, stood up a bunch of like 10, 20 doors. I mean, he has a whole, you know, portfolio of real estate and he's a pretty young person, right? He's kind of like stood this up in a few years. So it's kind of interesting watching him. And it's like, he's building this foundation for himself and and other people. And, and like, he, I think he has a vision to continue to expand that. And he's doing that in parallel with like his work with us and his own work that he's pursuing outside of us as well. So it's, it's kind of interesting watching what, what folks do once they kind of fully understand the levers. Michelle, when you discovered financial independence or, or really incorporated it into your life, how did your spouse feel about it? Was it something, a journey they took with you? Was it a journey they had to take separately? Have they taken the journey yet? Definitely a journey that I was on first. I'd say working from home and working at new retirement where I'm teaching financial independence and teaching Roth conversions and different financial strategies has really helped our household get on board (laughs) with the same vision. (laughs) So, you know, it's all about exposure and learning, right? And so I'm someone who had a lot of family discussions about money, listened to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, joined financial communities. And sharing that information is so powerful, both with you know, the community here, but also in my household. And as you, you know, learn these concepts, you know, they just start sticking because they're simple and they make sense. And I think, you know, what I hear from Nate and Steve, it's like, it's very attainable. You know, sometimes people talk about stories that are like, oh, I, you know, got this really great job or I sold a company, but really it's very attainable with very small changes to your lifestyle and intentional behaviors to, feel secure. And when I think back to that enough question, I really think it's never enough. There's always more that you want to be saving. And it's really feeling like, you know, what is enough to spend, right? And it's something that we see with our retirement community a lot. I've saved all this money. I have it all here. I've reached my goal. Now, how can I also feel comfortable spending it? Because it's all about not having a scarcity mindset, but you know, an abundance mindset, because everybody here, we can always earn more, we can create more wealth, we know how we have the tools. And so it's about, you know, learning how to spend and that balance between what you've already saved. Nate, what do you tell young people just getting out of college who kind of see your life and say, oh, this guy, he gets financial independence, he's into real estate, he really seems to get it. What do you tell them about financial independence? And specifically, are there any pitfalls you tell them to watch out for? Pitfalls to watch out for. Well, again, it comes back to values and and putting a a gauge on your spending. Because I'm not one to be like, hey, you can't have your lattes, as they say, right? It's just like really assess where you're spending your money. And is it really bringing you happiness? Because... I've been to some five groups and I've been surrounded with people who are like hardcore ramen noodles, all that. And, and I'm, I'm there for it. Like I'm, that's, I appreciate the journey, but that's like, not me. If they saw my travel budget, people would be like, huh? and I'd probably get like slapped. Like, well, how could you, you know, but it's all about what do you value? And, and if you can look at that, you, you will find dollars to invest. That would be like the first thing I would encourage them is like, is just say, you know, 
is it truly bringing you happiness? And then invest early, invest often. Obviously, house hack, especially when you're younger, because I'm starting to teeter totter with that age where, you know, I live in a basement. All right. And there's two units above me. And people are like, well, I don't want to do that. We don't have to, you know what I mean? But as you get older and as you have a family and all those kind of things, things become more, you become limited. So if you can do some of those things early in your life and make those, what some people think are sacrifices, it just, it gives you that, that, that flexibility. And I would just say to, to not want to chase it just because of more, there's, there's so many people I see this energy around getting financial independence because they really want to tell their boss something like, I need to do this so I can, I mean, but I, I'm with Steve with the whole F you money. Like that is my power, right? Like that's why I, I said it in the beginning. I never wanted to feel like I was like shackled, enslaved by another person. So there's that component, but it's still a different energy when all you want to do is do it because you want to make a point versus what are you chasing? What do you want? How would you want to spend your time? And I think that that's just a more positive way to look at it. So you're trying to, you know, be a little bit more cognizant and, 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 you know, with, with what you're, what you're doing today. I was very unhappy in my last role and I didn't have to be there. And you know what I mean? And so I, I'm glad I went through this because I stayed in, in a job that I was like, not, I was unfulfilled and I, I had the choice to leave, but I, I went through that. And I think it was important for me to go through that because now I do resonate. I know what it feels like to people that are tired, the people that, that are, you know, whatever reasons that they don't want to leave. We all have our, our own, our own, but kind of rambling on. But just to go back to find out what you're chasing versus finding what you're trying to run away from. Steve, last word. You've gone through this process. You've also built a business. You've been involved in entrepreneurship for quite a few years. Any advice you'd impart to young people and specifically for someone like you who may be really interested in this jump into entrepreneurship? Yeah, I mean, I think that the core is education, right? So take your education seriously, get develop your skills, right? I mean, we do work in a society where, you know, you get paid different amounts for your different capabilities. It's good to work in real companies first, you know, and like understand what it is to have a job, work for other people, work in service jobs. You know, as a I worked as a checkout person, I worked as a pizza delivery person, I delivered newspapers, I did all kinds of stuff, right? Before and I and I was a consultant, that was good too before I went off and started my own company with other, and then I started with other people first before I like, you know, started my own as on my own. Yeah. It's a, it's a journey of self-development, but I think the good thing is, is that also like, you know, in this country and in certain parts of it, like, you know, the Bay area, but now many more places, like there's this real culture of like, you can take the risk and it's worth going for. And, you know, it, it, it is incredible what's possible now with, and, and I see this in like our team and what people are doing, right. The, the world has changed where, you know, folks can go off, like have an idea, pursue it and uh, rally another team around that idea and, and uh, get a lot of amazing things done. You know, I encourage every entrepreneur I meet to like go for it and, and more and more are reaching out now. It's kind of interesting, especially in this environment where the, when the economy turns down, more people start companies. And also in our community, we see a lot more people starting companies like over 50. There's a lot of people that start companies and they actually tend to be more successful. But yeah, no, I would just say, hey, invest in yourself, save money, you know, build a nest egg so you can do it. And then, you know, make a well-informed leap when you decide to do it. 
Well, Steve, Nate, Michelle, I wanted to thank you for being on Earn and Invest today. You know what I take from our conversation are there are many paths to financial independence, and indeed there are many speeds. But I think we'd all be better off if we learn how to save and invest wisely early. It just opens up the possibilities to go as fast or as slow as you want to. And that's a superpower. I wanted to end this episode the way and every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where people can find you if they want to learn more. Steve, let's start with you. What's up next in your life and how do people reach out to you? Sure. So for us, you know, we just raised some money for our Series A. So we're building our team. We're 30 people now. I'm super thankful that people like Nate and Michelle have joined us and we're continuing to kind of really lean into, you know, growing the direct-to-consumer side of our business, but also the enterprise side. We're taking our platform out and making it available to companies and financial institutions so that they can grow their own versions in their retirement and bring financial literacy and empowerment at a super low cost and an aligned way to, you know, hopefully tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people worldwide. So like that, you know, that's the the, the main focus for me. You can find me at newretirement.com. Michelle, what's up next in your life and how can people find you? Well, at New Retirement, what I'm really focused on is bringing classes to the masses. So beyond just building a retirement plan, we're rolling out tons of classes to help you make financial decisions. And you can find me at New Retirement. And last, but of course not least, Nate, what is up next in your life and how can people reach out to you? Can I say like a little bit of what they said? And also, you know, just to continue trying to push forward on doing another house hack, living in different ways to show other individuals out there that financial independence can be theirs and just yeah, trying to live out my way to be an example for others and younger people. Jordan, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to, you know, I know this is a little bit dominated by our business, but it's actually great to, to do, take this time with, you know, you and Nate and Michelle, I actually learned something more about these guys as well, just doing this. So uh, I appreciate you you taking the time to have us on here. No problem. You know, New Retirement is a fascinating, fabulous platform. I think everyone should check it out. But I actually wanted you three on because I just felt like, as opposed to being an advertisement for New Retirement, which it isn't, you just had fascinating stories and could give a little perspective on the different ways we look at financial independence And so thank you all for coming on. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I wanted to thank Steve Chen, Nate Wilson, and Michelle Dash. That's a wrap. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. That was that was a lot of fun. Anything you guys feel like we didn't cover should have talked about? No, I think that was fantastic. Um, so I really appreciate it. I mean, it was cool. It's uh, I want to share this with our team so that more people understand kind of like, <laughs> you know, what other folks in our, you know, it's like, it's so funny. We, you know, we're working together all day long, but like, there's still many things I think many people don't understand about each other or, or could learn about like, you know, what motivates it's very fun to watch her face throughout this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. He's kind of your boss, but yet, you know, you know, the commonalities are there. And it's interesting because I, I really feel like there's an evolution for all of us from the day we start learning about financial independence to where we end up. 
And I think that's what's the fascinating part of the story. How I think in the beginning, we really see the money and the place as this place of safety. But I think as most of us go, we actually start seeing it as this tool to actually do stuff we really want to do. And I think all of your stories reflect that in different ways. And that's what, to me, is the fun part of this conversation. Yeah, no, it's cool to see it real in people's lives. I think so much of it's like people's stories is what's inspiring for other folks. It's like, oh, this is possible, you know, and, and there's definitely wildly different paths. I feel like Michelle's really got like the core of it where, hey, save money and just there's like a, a relatively straightforward way that anybody can do. What needs doing is definitely more involved. That's a heavier lift. Super boring. I wasn't expecting to out my age to the world. <laughs> did we? Did we actually say your age? Should we beep remember. it out? She, she told us. I don't know I'll, t- I'll take a listen. If you're sensitive to that, I can get rid of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I figure, you know, I tend to be on the old side for people in this community. Um, but if you talk about retirees, I'm on the very early young side. So that's you know the nice way of looking at it. But. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.